Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. I am glad to hear it. Thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. We're going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. CollarandElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four capital C and Corners Capital P and Podcast with no spaces to save ten percent off your order. I did get my beautiful Bobby Eaton commemorative shirt. It is amazingly soft. I cannot recommend it enough. Proceeds go on to Bobby Eaton's family. You know, uh, hey Chad. Yes, sir. There's a picture that actually just popped up like today on social media of Al Snow. Yes. Yeah. Did you see it? Uh, I did not. <laughs> Al Snow is is a big boy. Oh, he's a big yeah. boy now, and I don't mean oh, that like, one. I don't mean yeah. fat. I mean no, he is yoked. Oh, has yeah, he been lifting weights? Oh my gosh, yes. He's uh, he's pretty big now. He's he he's. Is. I think. Uh, I don't know how. I mean, I've met him, but I don't. I don't recall how tall he is. But he seems like he's trying to compete with uh, with Billy Gunn for guy who's like way way bigger than you think he is I like, never, billy, uh, that was the thing that i was like shocked by when i actually i actually saw like billy gunn in person i'm like jesus christ this guy's huge he's like six five and jacked yeah he is still jacked i because um, snow never struck me I, I mean i've seen snow live but I, he was a fairly smallish guy in his earlier oh when career. he was like the early part like the night the early like mid 90s uh wwe when he was doing like the whole like avatar thing and leaf casting and everything, he was almost, I don't say small. Cause the guy was probably still he was like Marty like, Jannetty size though. Yeah. He was like, he, it nowadays. He was lean. Yeah. He was lean back then. He would have been probably considered like a cruiserweight. Yeah. Let me see if he's actually won a junior title somewhere. But, uh, yeah, Al is, but you know, I should be seeing actually go by and see Al here in a couple of weeks. So I'll touch base with him. Um, he actually, there's a, um, there's a, a convention that's uh, that's coming up in uh, in October that I think he might be a part of. I actually, I'm tempted to go to that because Sting was going to show up, but I don't know if he's still going to because uh, I guess AEW is running his show the same day. Oh yeah, he won the June the United States Junior Title in Smoky Mountain. <clears throat> hmm. So uh, here in a couple of couple of weeks, Matt, there's a convention going on in Central Kentucky that Al's going to be at. It's also featuring the Steiners and Darby Allen and Sting will be there as well. So, Ooh. yeah, you should um, yeah. you should ask Scotty about his love of Shoney's. 
he had to close his Shoney's. Really? Yeah, because of the pandemic, he had oh, to close it. Boom. Yeah, it stinks. All right, our other shout out means we hand the ball over to Matt. Yeah, that would be to uh, Orlando Cologne. Uh, I actually just bought an Orlando Cologne shirt off uh, Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, I did that before CM Punk basically broke the the whole entire damn <laughs> website. He broke it for quite a while too, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. Uh, I'd also like to say uh, Orlando Cologne is not on WWE TV. He's not employed by them anymore, so he doesn't have to worry about getting stiffed or almost have his neck broken by I mean, Nia Jax. He was employed for them by for like two years, and I think they appeared on TV twice. Yes. Yes, but he doesn't have to worry about getting mauled by Nia Jax because she that's uh, apparently what she does now. Yeah, so, so how do we want to handle this? Cause we're... I, I was going to say, Matt, that sounds like a segue. Well, um, uh, it's not even like the main thing we're talking about. Do we want to – so I want to annoying. ask, do we want to Do we want to go with the most recent stuff and work our way backwards, or do we want to, like, start with the big stuff and work our way down? Oh. I say I we start so. – I say we I say we go chronologically backwards. Okay, okay. That, that'll work. That way it, it build. this is going to build to uh, – the big payoff right there at the end of the end of the show right yeah so, so um i guess we can start with so i guess nia jackson charlotte had a bit of a train wreck um yesterday i have seen the clips and the thing that confuses me about it like and i listened to um Meltzer and alvarez talk about it and Meltzer seemed to be making overtures that it was supposed to be a work shoot thing. You know what? I listened to, I listened to that clip and, um, it sounds like that's what someone told him, but he was not necessarily, he sounded a little dubious on if he believed it or not. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if he's like trying to say something to defend WWE because I feel like he gets so much heat for some things he says about the WWE, so maybe uh, sometimes he throws both sides. Maybe sometimes he throws I, them a bone. I don't see. I think. I think what happened because the the head drop happened first, right? Yes. So I think. I think Charlotte was, slapped wait, her. Let's as a, clarify that the head drop was that Nia's like weird attempt at a back suplex that ended up just dumping Charlotte on their on her head. Correct. Yes. Oh. I thought that came after the no. Oh, no. That came first. Oh. That That's kind of what in started which case, In which case, because, like, okay, go ahead, and then I'll, I'll, I'll chip in whenever we get so, to the thing. It feels like Charlotte slapped her as a receipt for the head drop. Mm-hmm. Or even just to be like, you know. Get your shit together. Yeah, yeah, wake the fuck up. Don't drop me on my head next time. So then they kind of started getting shoving and pushing, um, there was some uncooperation, but I thought was really the most unprofessional part is where Naya was supposed to Samoan drop her and Charlotte literally had to jump onto her shoulders because Naya was just like standing there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, in watching this, it, knowing now, uh, that it was the fact that, that Naya was, had dumped Charlotte on her head already that. Yeah, Charlotte getting getting mad and just smacking the taste out of her mouth. Yeah, that um, that makes as a receipt that makes perfect sense. Um, and the problem is that if that's what happened, and then Nia got pissy about it, 
then that means that Nia can't handle getting receipts for when she screws up. And Charlotte knows, first of all, she's secure enough. And then second, she feels secure enough in her spot. And second, feels secure enough in herself to square up on Nia and be like, don't you do that to me. I will, you know, I will throw down if you do that. Well, it it really shows what an idiot Nia is, though, because I'm just guessing from the pecking order that Charlotte's way higher in that. Charlotte's so high in the pecking order that she's she went out and put in and like declare and got registered copyrights under a different name in the event that she leaves WWE. So she already holds them. Which I think is starting to look like an inevitability in that they're doing stuff to placate her now because um, I think there's a good chance in the next year, or depending on her deal, that um, Charlotte Flair is, whatever her real name is, Flair is all elite. Ashley Flair is all elite is, (laughs) I think, starting to look like an inevitability because... um, I don't know, she doesn't seem very happy, and I feel like, because they did this... They're going to do an Alexa Bliss program with her. Mm-hmm. And I think she rightfully nixed that and they went to this. Well, she is. I mean, Charlotte, Charlotte Flair has, is, I, I, I could, I have to skip things about the way they book her. They, events books are like, she's the only thing. She's the only woman essentially on the roster. Like she, 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 she comes, she wins the title and only to lose it again, like the next night. And, but then she's still, Push as the main focus, not the person who's the champion. It's like they give her so many things, but she doesn't want to be in a program where she has to like play that she's scared of this bullshit like voodoo magic thing that they have going on with Alexa. Yeah, <laughs> and good for her. Like if she nicks that, I say good for you because you, they they totally ruined Shayna Baszler and she's just like a jobber now. Yeah, there's the the structure from the various things we've heard over the years. Seems like in WWE, you have to push back on stuff you don't think is a good idea because otherwise they're just going to railroad you into it. Um, uh, Supposedly. And if you're playing the four corners, um, four corners drinking game at home, then uh, this is Shad makes a, a tangent Wyatt reference, but supposedly that's part of what, got Bray released was that he was fighting with Vince and Dunn all the time about the booking of his stuff. And he's like, no, don't do that. That's stupid. Why are we doing? And, um, so I guess part of that was like, don't be doing that. But it sounds like you have to like Moxley talked about that. uh, There are with Charlotte for sure. If she wanted to go somewhere else, like AEW or something, it's like, I I hate to say this because she's not even, She's been in the business for a few years, but she hasn't even. It's not as if she's been in the business like, like twenty something years. She's no, not she, like a. She's been in like eight or nine years. Yeah, she's not. She's not been in like what like Satamura, who's been in it for like years and years and years. Like even, even like Joshi workers. I remember sometimes like I would I would read. This is more like in the uh, the aughts, but I would read like a Joshi worker, like retire. And they were like 25 or something. Well, and I remember, was like, oh my god! Remember that's... in like the 80s into the 90s, um, a, uh, all Japan women would make them retire at 26, and that's what started like some severe competition because they would get forced to retire. But you know, 
at 26 you still have a lot in the tank so these other promotions started popping up with yeah those workers they forced to you know retire and suddenly it's like oh crap like now we got some real competition because you know chigusa nagayo we forced mm-hmm. her to retire and she started a promotion up and mm-hmm. she's still a superstar even though she's 28 now yeah i look uh riho for example mm-hmm. uh she is 24 years old uh it's it, it's we're now in like we're, we've begun the uh last third of 2021 she started in t- 2006 she's been doing this 15 years and yeah. she is she's 24 like do the math on that like it's yeah. nowadays like joshi workers who, who are like chron- like in, in terms of like their age uh there are joshi workers like riho who's probably like 10 years younger than charlotte who have been in it like like twice the time that she has yeah, i mean she started uh, really late yeah that even that said it's like if if charlotte was like you know what I, like tomorrow she's like yeah i'm done i'm done with wrestling like she's done practically everything she's been multiple time world champion and she headlined wrestlemania it's like i don't it, there's like nothing else really for her to do except if she wants to make money you know, yeah, go somewhere else, make money, do like new matchups, do something different potentially. Which I don't know if that's something that interests her, but I mean AEW could be a place that she winds up down the road just because right now at least like her fiance is there, um, her dad is a free agent. Some people are expecting he's going to go to AEW. Um, I think he probably will pop up there. I don't know. If, I don't know if Tony Khan will give him like a long time deal, but I could totally see him. Yeah, be careful coming. with. Um how in bed you get with rick flair uh i agree and uh, considering I, considering we just saw some space mountain pictures not he even. alleges that's not him yeah <laughs> his his statement is rick flair ain't rode ridden a train in 20 years yeah i <laughs> i love rick i also don't think that rick should be on tv like every week no which is which is like what i almost feel like that's that's how you get the most value out of him. But I, I kind of don't want that. Unless you have the exact right person for him to manage. Yeah, that, that helps. Which I don't I think... Wanna... I don't think AEW has that person, though. Uh... Uh, the only person that I could even contemplate right now would potentially be someone like MJF. I was thinking don't... Ricky Starks. Well, I can see that. I can see Ricky Starks. Um, I but if you're go gonna back. do that, you gotta push Ricky Starks like to the fucking moon. You gotta, you, gotta, you that's like a world championship push. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back uh, for a minute to because we're talking about you know Charlotte uh, very obviously seems to know what her value is. They keep pushing her all the time, and so they've they've basically just handed her negotiation leverage. Well, I mean, she uh, she did for her um, recognizing it. She did Andrade some solids and got him out of his contract. I mean, they really because yeah. I I think I think personally I don't think she's as big a star as they seem to think she is, and I would say based on crowd reaction, she's not. I think if they would let up on it a bit and stop this stupid, we need to get her as many world titles as Ric Flair thing mm. they're obviously doing. Um, I think the crowds would receive her better. I think I think the problem is right now is you're just too guarded because she's always kind of in the picture. But yeah. even though I think all of that about her, like 
they've kind of backed themselves into a corner and she's been kind of extremely savvy about leveraging them. Yeah, she recognizes what her value to them is, even if she may say they're pushing me too much, but I know how much they value me, so I'm going to use that, Um, which, like I said, that's why I feel like she felt confident enough to punch Naya in the face. And honestly, I think from all of the times that we've talked about Naya being uh, just just neglectfully dangerous in the ring. I don't think she's caught a receipt for much of anything since then. I mean, God gave her that receipt when she double tore her ACLs. Right. But I'm talking, I'm talking about direct immediate, (laughs) direct immediate uh, negative reinforcement. Like, well, she doesn't do that shit to people that are going to receipt her. Like if you put her in there until now, well, I mean, I was going to say, if you put her in there with Asuka, like, she doesn't do that stuff because Asuka will literally punt her head well, five uh, rows into the crowd. Didn't somebody do that because of what she did to, um, oh, not EO, but um, Carrie Sane? Didn't somebody just unload on her for that that stupid, dangerous buckle bomb she did to Carrie Sane? Someone might have. I don't remember. But, but no, I, I, don't, I can't think of a time when someone in the moment, like she did something like that, and they just turned around and they were like, oh, I don't think so. Because truth of the matter is, yeah, it, there's not, not a lot of people that probably feel secure enough to do it. But, but, she's, they, but she's like a total nepotism case, though. And, I mean, no one else would get would be tolerated to have this level of... Um... Right, but uh, like let's... In, in the case, in this case, if I don't care who it is, if if Naya had done that to anybody on the roster, and the the woman she did it to popped up and just punched her right square in the nose and broke her nose live on television, I'm fair certain that The Rock would be like, "You earned that one, you know. You don't don't come crying to me. You earned that one. That one's your fault." I mean, I have no idea why she has a job, honestly. So I couldn't tell you. Because I was saying that earlier, like, we we crap on Randy Orton on this show a lot, and he's a similar third-generation thing, which people really get off on on wrestling. But I will defend Randy Orton in that he has the talent to back up, like, his push level. Uh Like, I don't necessarily think he has great matches, and I think he's lazy, but he is not, like, a direct danger to anyone. He seems to take care of his opponents seems to go out of his way to do that to be um, fair orton seems more of a danger to himself than anybody else yeah, but i'm saying um, like he's at least a legitimate professional wrestler and i think i think anyone that argues that he sucks in the ring is being a little disingenuous i think he's boring but i would also say like at the mechanics of being a wrestler he is i would say way above competent at it I he bores me. I don't like him, but I don't think he's bad. No. So you know that's. Um. But you know the. It, it seems to me that no one has ever just turned around and and jacked Naya for her doing something careless, which could not have. You know that could only have helped if it had happened earlier. You know the part of a receipt is the recognition of you done screwed up. 
let me point it out to you. Or sometimes, um, you know, someone's getting a little loose on you and you just, you just cut loose on, you just tater them one and they go, Oh, I'm, I, I need to calm down. Um, but that, you know, nobody had done that to Nia before. So that's a, that's an Ernie lad story with Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Oh yeah. I guess he was getting a little T rambunctious and um, Ernie Ladd backed him up into the corner and like sat on him in the corner. And he's like, I'm going to stay here until you start listening to me. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine that in the Ernie Ladd voice. Jim Cornette does an impression of it. It sounds better. But I mean, yeah. I think I think that's fair, though, because I mean, I think we've talked about that before. Is like some, if someone's getting a little too rambunctious, you kind of maybe give them a couple shots to to say, hey, you know, chill. Yeah, but that's I, to me. I feel like that's different. That if some guy's just like in the heat of the moment, like maybe maybe they're being a little bit stiffer than usual, or they should be. Maybe it, they're they're they're. You just give not, them one back, and and they go, yeah, oh oh oh. Maybe didn't, they're didn't they're Duke talk about that where he'll just like slap a headlock on him and just be like, okay, like come on, chill. Duke just, had Duke. He did mention that it, that was at a time when Duke was a lot heavier too. When, so when he'd slap that headlock on. He'd roll more of his body on top of you, so you're fighting to breathe, and you can't go anywhere or do anything except listen to it. But, uh, you know, there, uh, there very few times did I ever have to do it, but it was a thing. Now, if in the case of, of, uh, of Naya doing what she's done, like I said, if someone had just popped up and punched her in the face and broken her nose, that'd be a pretty clear message you know, straight up, you know, stop. And I can't help but wonder if that's, that never happening has uh, not helped her, her attitude. You, feeling like nobody will, so she feels like a big enough bully to, to you know, throw her way around and not care. I don't know, she's terrible. I hate, I, because like, I'm not a Charlotte fan, but I saw that result and I saw the match and I'm like, why do they think anyone wants to see this? I don't know. Uh, it's, I, I'm not. Cause I generally think, I generally think Charlotte rightfully takes a lot of heat for the way they push her. But I also think she is a, she is an above average worker. She's inexperienced still. Which I think comes out in weird ways, and she was brought up in the WWE environment where, um, so she, her ability to improv when things go wrong is really bad. But I t- I tend to see that as a training issue. Yeah. Um, but she's she's a mostly decent worker, and pairing her up with Nia is just asking for, for trouble. I mean, to give Charlotte some extra credit too, she has, yeah, it, you know. I, I get the impression that her stuff is is probably really heavily agented. Uh, her matches are, but she's also she's got some presence. You know, Charlotte carries herself like she's a big deal, and that helps. Um, like you said, you know, the the work could could probably use some polish, but um, I take that. But I think. I, the problem is, though, is if you look at those from the ground up NXT WWE projects, they're all like her. Yeah. The only people that make it are people like her or Bianca Belair that have, like, athletic ability to cover it up. Like, you have to 
a lot of people that are doing well in WWE that came up in that ecosystem also had some sin of a couple years outside of the company where they they got all that polish from other places. Yeah. Or they're like Ty Conti that had, you know, Dustin Rhodes and Thunder Rosa train her up. Yeah. Now, one other thing to tie in, because this was on Raw uh, the day before we we recorded this. They, um, I, I'd have to look. I think it, it was um, Fightful. Who, uh, Sean Ross Scott's done a lot, by the way, to kind of build his credibility. Uh, but he pointed out, he said, none of the advertised matches for Raw took place. No, that's, like, um, of- it's, um, supposedly this was events through everything against the wall. And, yeah. um, looking at the results and seeing that somehow the formula of the same matches having happening every week for months at a time was broken. And there were all these like fresh matches in there kind of gives me the idea that events. Yeah. Uh, the PWI insiders said that he, here's the quote, Vince McMahon, extremely unhappy with the original plans for raw ripped up the script several times, including original plans. And then the initial rewrite one source described it as the loudest and angriest they'd ever seen him on a show day. <laughs> well, remember though, I mean, I don't think this raw was particularly good, but there's, there were a couple of smackdowns where he did that a couple years ago. And those were like the best smackdowns. Yeah. In like a long sure. time, because here's the problem I think they have is I don't think anyone in that company is in touch, but I think the one person when he actually takes a stand and who tends to be right the most is still Vince. And I think that's part of the problem because he's out of touch. But he's also tends to be the one that gets it if anyone does. So, I mean, I think that's where yeah. their big problem is. I just like imagining him tearing it up and shouting, it's such bad shit. Sorry, call back. Uh, <laughs> so we were... Uh, that was bad. Um the other, since we were working chronologically backward, the other, I think the the most, next most recent thing was the NWA finalizing. Weekend, I think. Was it? Okay. Yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to move the note I have here above that on my page. So NWA, uh, what was that one called? It was. Well, so they NWA did a weekend. Yeah, so they did a weekend. So they okay. they they came back to the um, Chase Hotel, which if um which used to be where the St. Louis Wrestling Club ran. It was called Wrestling at the Chase. I actually was considering going to this, but I was already I was already on vacation at the time, so sadly I yeah. could not go. Um, so they did so for, so Saturday they did the Empower Pay Per View, which was Mickey James booking an all women's pay per view with the NWA. Mm-hmm. And then um, night two was NWA 73, which was like then the power pay-per-view. So just to put it out there way up front. The big news. Yes, it is over. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I guess. But um, finally, Nick Aldis is no longer the NWA champion. I feel like there was... This is the problem, though, that I think they had eventually is I don't feel like people were so much happy that Trevor Murdoch won as there is a big sigh of relief that they took the world title off of Nick Aldis. I don't know. I was real happy that Trevor Murdoch won because I like Trevor Murdoch. 
I like him quite a bit. No, I like him too, but I, I was more... Because I will probably go back and buy this, but as I told you guys in the chat, I was not going to spend any money on this unless they proved to me that they were willing to... Unless they are willing to move on. Right. It, it was... It was time. Um, all this was was fine for a while, but it was def- it was time for that to move on. Um, I myself am just I'm thrilled for Trevor Murdoch, uh, and I saw the finish on the match. I really liked it because it it had a nice uh, uh, Harley Race homage in it and that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, good finish like that, and I'm real I'm real happy for Trevor Murdoch. I um. I like, I actually like Nick Aldis, and I did, I didn't mind him as champion, but not for like a thousand days. Yeah. Um, I, the, the issue that the NWA had, and it's, it's still a, a problem. I mean, I think Trevor Murdoch was the right choice right now, but they don't have really, they don't have people who are believably built up. So, uh, people like Dave Meltzer says things like, oh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to put the belt back on Aldis soon. And it's like, okay, I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he probably will at some point, but maybe, uh, maybe we can get like six months or so without him having the belt. Like, yeah. whether that's Murdoch dropping it to someone else, like, <clears throat> they're not, they can't, I, they can't sustain a weekly product because I feel like he, I mean, the product's had a lot of problems since it came back, namely, they can't, they finally kind of did it with this show, but that they can't, move anywhere and yeah. i feel like i feel like if you really want viewers you have to you have to put the belt on someone else because i feel like aldous was ne- was fine in the initial run i thought he was completely fine he was an interesting champion they had places to go but when they came back like he really just felt tired like his act felt tired because he didn't have great foils but he just he just says the same shit every week because he's just kind of He's just kind of cosplaying like 80s champions. Like none mm-hmm. of it feels like yeah. um, it's original. And I think that's fine for a while, but I think that I think that starts to show cracks pretty quickly. I that's actually probably why I like him and I like his I like the whole championship gimmick because he's kind of doing like a weird amalgamation of <clears throat> of both Ric Flair and Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah. I think it's and I think that's fine, but you if you're going to do that, uh, whether he has the belt or he's still going to be positioned as a main event heel, like you need him. You need like you said, you need good foils, and he didn't really have them. That's um, true. Now part of that is because obviously everything got shut down with the pandemic, and during that period from when they shut down until like I guess uh, earlier this year when they started. Uh, running shows again, although uh, I haven't I haven't really watched it. I know I watched I know it for <clears throat> like three months, and I just got bored with it. Yeah, the booking hasn't been as good. Um, that's partly because who was the one who was uh, booking it Dave prior Lugana to before he okay Lagana because the, where he got effectively got me too. Yeah, because we're uh, where, the, out. where the original run was good was there was always some little bit of progress to the storylines like you always felt like something happened and the problem with this one is things would happen for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and then there would either be no payoff or it just wouldn't move 
Yeah. Yeah. And well, they've made and some that's... really bad hiring choices like Tyrus. Oh, he's absolutely terrible. That that was actually going uh that was going around on the internet this week. It, there was like a clip from Tyrus like he he did like this jump down from like the second rope or something and it was the most embarrassing thing. It's like the dude is like 350 pounds. He can't even move. He's, he's old like now. 50. Yeah. And he was never even a big star like when he was, you know, working for like the WWE. I think he did a time in Impact too. It's like he was never even like a big star then. I understand that was the other thing that happened with the pandemic is that they, a lot of guys left because their deals were up or they just moved on to greener pastures, but they they need stars and if you're trying to fill spots don't give it to Tyrus. Like there are there are a ton of guys on the indie scene that you can give contracts to, or if you're just gonna pay people like on a on a per appearance deal. Like there's still tons of dudes on the indie scene that you could you could pay that would be good additions, uh, much better than Tyrus. That might actually be compelling. People might actually like pay to watch them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I would I. I, I do appreciate they this they're trying to make like some good steps. Uh, both shows that I, from what I heard, both shows Empower and NWA seventy three were well received. I heard that they they were for the most part good. Like they they largely had I, good matches. Not not every match was great, but they I had heard the over- I heard the Empower was pretty good because um, the, the main event with that was Camille versus Layla Hirsch, who um, Layla Hirsch mm-hmm. is. Layla Hirsch needs some more experience, but she's got a lot of potential, I think. I agree. She is with AEW, obviously, and they they have been using her, but um, she's not really like a consistent like dynamite appearance. Yeah. Uh, I think I think she's still very green. I don't. I have to look it up. I don't know how long she's been doing this, but she yeah, like I think five to eight years, maybe. Oh, uh, she'd be then. She's been doing it longer than I. Th- yeah, but I mean, if you're if you're an indie worker, especially a, a, a female indie worker, like you could probably some of those years might be like matches in the teens, you know. If things are different now. Uh, I mean, even like a few years ago, there are some people that I think wrestling is pretty much like their their primary livelihood. They're working multiple shows a week. Uh, if you're a guy like Effie. Uh, you know, he he works a lot. Nick Gage works a lot. Like they, these are guys who probably wrestling is like their livelihood because of the they have built a name for themselves and the amount of shows they do. But if you are another type of indie worker, especially if you're like a female indie worker, you're not necessarily like you. you maybe maybe your experience is like you're working just like once or twice on the weekend. Three and years I mean, for Layla Hirsch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, and and so someone like Chad can say like you need like actually maybe you need like a lot of matches before you start getting good. I, think it, I look if at you're um, working on that kind of schedule, which I had to for a while. It mm-hmm. your your progress is slower. Yeah, I, I look but, at wrestling. Chad might disagree with this, except for like the exceptionally gifted people. I kind of look at wrestling a lot like stand-up comedy, where you suck for like the first probably five plus years of your career and then you start like getting like the pieces start falling together for you you you're not wrong um what i will say is that some people are going to have a uh, a higher skill floor 
Like they're going to start in a better position, but it is nobody is um, nobody is is going to be amazing right out of the gate. Well, now, Sean Waltman and Jeff Jarrett. Well, but okay, but here's the thing: Jeff Jarrett grew up around it. He oh, was yeah. taught this stuff constantly. I don't know Waltman's background, so I can't speak to. I that. mean, we saw we saw that promo he cut when he was like 18 year olds in Global. So I mean, I think he, I mean, he got it pretty. Yeah, but pretty he grew quick. up as Jerry Jarrett's son. Jerry well, Jarrett's yeah. gonna be like, you know, he's he's gonna pick up almost through just osmosis, like how you're supposed to cut a promo from seeing Jerry Jarrett like ream people out for what they did wrong, um, or something like that. But you know. That's part of why the the next generation thing is so highly valued is because you learn so much of it passively. Um, but in general, like nobody nobody comes out and is ready to main event. You might come out and and be good and get the people involved in that sort of stuff, and that's great. But you don't start getting it for a while, like you know. I hit the 10 year mark. I was finally like really getting pieces to come together nicely. And then that's when I got too hurt to keep doing it. Magnum TA was, was freakishly quick at it too. Cause it, cause when you look at Magnum TA, he only, his career was only four and a half years. He was Magnum had two benefits. Number one, Magnum was working a lot. And number two, he was being mentored by extremely good people. And he got like there's there's stuff he did though that I think you can't replicate like they when he was in like San Antonio they had him work like a ten minute TV match with Nick Bockwinkle and I'm pretty sure like if Nick Bockwinkle's leading you through a match you um you you learn quick because have you ever listened to Big Show talk about his first match with Hogan yeah and like he's like I didn't know what to do in the corner. And, like, I'm sitting there, and I don't know what to do, and Hogan, like, takes my hand and puts it around his neck, and he starts selling for me, and the crowd starts booing, and he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm starting to get it. His, his, oh, God, they never should have pushed pushed him that fast that early, but. that That's um, also one of my favorite ribs, though, is after he wins the belt, Hogan <laughs> tells him he's the champion, he needs to wear the belt around to let people know he's the champion, and then he's in the airport, and Sting's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Put that away. <laughs> that's a, you know what, again, that's a really funny rib. That's a that's, good. Yeah, but it's not, like, sociopathic. Yeah. It's not like, you know, Hogan, it's not uh, a... Hogan killed his dog and then fed it to him. Yeah. Something that uh, Mr. Fuji would do. Mr. Fuji had a rib that was not, that I actually think is pretty funny, is he goes and he hops in the car with the guy and he's like, I'll tell you how to get there. And they drove for like six hours to get there. And then after the show, Mr. Fuji's like, oh, I'll, I'll drive. And it took him 15 minutes to get home. Hmm. Like, okay, that's, that's an amusing rib. Um, but... Yeah, some of the other Fuji stories, you're just like, jeez, dude, what happened to you? I think they claimed at one point the Steiners duct tape Vader to a wall. <laughs> That's impressive. And and I was like, I don't know if I believe that, but if two pe- if two people could do it, a couple of apes like the Steiners could do it. <laughs> if anybody could, it's hey, I love the Steiners, but they do seem like they're probably kind of like cavemen, right? They're just... 
big rough bone dudes. Well, Rick does real estate now, I'm pretty sure. His son, I think, was or still is. um, Wasn't he in the NFL? Let me look it up. Actually, no, I take it back. His son just got got signed uh, for developmental in WWE. Yeah. 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 We'll see how that goes. I think wasn't uh, I know D'Lo was an accountant and wasn't wasn't Vader like big in real estate too? Probably. Oh, I don't know. That that was something that Sting did a lot as well because you know you didn't have to you know you didn't have, it, it, you could you could flex your schedule for it. Um, I'm looking I'm trying to find the thing about Rick Steiner's son right now, but. I'd seen a story about it, and his son is, first of all, taller than Rick is, and just looks like a uh, Bronson Rick Steiner. What a name, right? Yeah. yeah. Bronson Steiner. Man, what a name. He just looks like an absolute unit. He, Oh, he was signed 2020, signed by the Ravens as an undrafted yeah. fullback. That's got to be pretty tall, because I don't think Rick's August. a short guy. Uh, well, Bronson's build at six feet. Rick's build at five eleven. Okay. So he looks like his dad, uh, except for the six pack, and he does look like an absolute unit. Like if he, if I don't see Bronson Rick Steiner at some point, just fucking clotheslining the shit out of people, I'm gonna be disappointed. I'm gonna be like you, <laughs> you have let your father and your family line down. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorites uh, receipts though, is when. Chris Champion kicked him in the face and Steiner came like Steiner did the finish and just murdered him on the clothesline. (laughs) Uh, We've talked about it before, but uh, there are very few. There are very few clotheslines or lariats, whatever, better than the Steiner line. He would just demolish people. Only, only, only Stan Hansen, in my opinion. Yeah. Stan Hansen is probably the best. Because there's something Hansen does that I, I don't know why no one else can get it right. But, like, Stanson just has this, like, you can just feel that head of steam he's he's getting when he comes off the ropes that, like, other people just don't have. It Part of that has just got to do with the way Hansen looks is in terms of his size. Because, like, there are some people, like, part of what made... Um, Rick and Scott look so good doing it is there's big barrel chested dudes, right? Like they're not, well, I mean, before Scott muscles kind of blew up, but I mean, they were barrel chested. They were, I mean, they were strong. They had big arms and everything, but their body was so big. And I'm, I'll be honest with you guys. Just hopefully you don't mind a peek behind the curtain, but my lariats and clotheslines and stuff were really bad until I finally put something together um, and that's because I was trying to make contact with the arm. And that's oh not what you do. <laughs> I mean, the arm. Well, Stan Hansen does, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you later off air. I, I don't want to. I don't want to completely spill the beans on that. But that's not where the. That's not where the 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 work happens. Um, but you've got the big, you know, barrel chested Hansen and the Steiners and that sort of stuff. Whenever they hit you. They're, you know, the, it's the size that they have going into it. By the I, way, Bronson Steiner uh, uses the Steiner recliner as his finish. Oh, probably, probably good as a starter finish, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm as for as we're on the podcast, I just threw up on YouTube. I, I, I'm looking at a video of just a collection, a five minute collection of Stan Harris, Stan Hansen lariats yeah. from all Japan, and it's just a, a thing of beauty. Like he just beats the sh- murders the shit out of people with it. Well, th- he just, um... I thought he. I thought he put more of his body into it. No, he it's it's almost like he just fucking winds up and it, some of these look almost like remember like the Kitakola sickle. Some yeah. of them just like that. He's just like just cutting people's heads off. I, I'm seeing some of these are awesome. Like I want to watch these matches because it's like it's big ass dudes like Kobashi like hitting him with a big move and he just turns around and fucking lariats them. Well, there is there is a book it's I amazing. read. There's a book I read where they where they asked a bunch of different wrestlers. They're like, so Stan Hansen worked pretty snug, and they're all like, well, you know, he's blind as a bat, right? <laughs> yeah. And then they and then they were like, they asked Hansen, I was like, well, he's like, I couldn't see very well, so like, I just had to, I just had to wail on people. It, that's he said that was the style he picked up in Japan, and since he couldn't see real well, he just swing. I then that way, if it hit, it it looked good. <laughs> I might call some shenanigans on that because a couple of these I saw him like he missed a couple of these he missed the lariat and then he immediately does a spin and then he connects with the lariat a second time. It's it, it's pretty impressive. Who yeah. was, who was it? There was someone that talked about going to Japan like yeah I went out drinking with Stan Hansen a couple nights and that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, Stan drinking on the table. He was like I was so hungover like I never did it again. Oh, Stan looks like he could probably absolutely drink you under the table, and the next day, like, you're just hungover, bleary-eyed, and he just like, barrels into the room, slaps you hard in the back. It's like, hey, good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> you ready to go? It's like, morning, like, yeah, like, how about some pancakes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we I'm looking up Stan Hansen stuff on Etsy just because. Oh, I that's a good there's, idea. There's not a lot, but uh, anyway, to go back, let's just go back a minute. Uh, Layla Hirsch, <laughs> she's Layla Hirsch. She's 24. Um, I think she has a lot of potential. That match allegedly was very, very good with being her Which, and uh, Camille. And, and supposedly the Chelsea Green match wasn't bad that she had mm-hmm. on Sunday, which surprises me because I've not been super impressed with Camille. In the Camille is super, super green. Yeah, she's kind of a stiff too. Like she's not is supposedly yeah. to the 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 Tim Storm, Thomas Latimer, and um, Crimson match was good. I heard. Yeah, the person who, I, I there's someone who reviewed it and they said it, it was an awesome match and a ton of fun. Was it the uh, the, the Wrestling Observer guy? Because that, that's yes. what he said. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. And it's it's to the point where I'm I'm contemplating ordering uh ordering these shows off Fight TV. Yeah. Just because uh if I, if both shows were good overall, like I'm I'm tempted. And I want to support them, and they've they've not given me a lot of reason to support them in their well, we did, Yeah, we did a whole show, and I even was on uh Garrett Gonzalez uh for the Fight Game podcast like i was on his show talking about how much we loved power like i i thought the first few months of power between like late 2019 early 2020 was like fantastic i mean we were doing their big shows like we were yeah yeah 
Because yeah, remember that Thunder Rosa Allison K match just was awesome. That was. I don't think we really did like a best of 2020, but that was that was probably like one of the best matches of 2020. Yeah. So then, um, so next on our thing, SummerSlam, right? Uh, no. The next thing was the <clears throat> contract lapse of. Britt Baker's boyfriend, because um, it's it's officially lapsed now. That uh, it's that's Adam Cole's contract has lapsed. He, by all reports, has not re-signed, and it's kind of up in the air about what happens. Even if there's a lot of suspicion about where it's going to go. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's technically a free agent, which some mm-hmm. people are saying like that could just mean he resigns the WWE and debuts on the main roster, um, which I guess is possible. Uh, possible. I per- I think I shared on the the technical difficulty <laughs> I had to call in through Skype. <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple of weeks back, two three weeks back, but I I personally don't think he should resign with WWE. Like they're even if he does, like, the, the only reason to do it is because they give him like a big money contract, which yeah. I've I shared like the I think Brock and Braun the them getting fired shows like you can't expect that the WWE is going to actually honor that. Like if you're lucky, you'll make it like six months to a year getting that higher paycheck, and then they'll fire you anyway. Yeah, um, which I guess is, is a strategy. Like you could just be like, all right, shit, I'm gonna collect this big paycheck. Uh, for as long as I can, but I also think like the longer, even even doing that for six months to a year, you're gonna get devalued, um, because they devalue everyone. Even like a guy, even a guy that the, that is allegedly like the type of person that Vince would want, like uh, carrying cross, like they fucked around with them. A yeah. a guy like Keith Lee, who like big dude, you'd think Vince would like like a bigger dude, like they fucked around with him. Now part of him. Part of that, unfortunately, is like he got he got very sick uh, because of COVID. Yeah. But still, like Real they was they was not as if yeah it's not as if they were doing much with him when they, as soon as they brought him up. No. Um, and then historically, like guys like Ricochet is basically a jobber. When Ricochet is I, I've shared I'm not even like that big of a Ricochet fan. Like any promotion, if you have Ricochet on your roster, like that dude should be like an upper mid Carter. Like he's got to go out there and put on an amazing performance and do crazy shit. Like you can totally build around that dude, even if you're not yeah. going to be like he's main event level material. Like but you can make that fun kind of like to a watch. Yeah, and you and people will get behind him. Like he's he he has he would have a following. Like you could you could make you can make him work. Yeah. Uh, and they've screwed around with people like that. I would say at least in some level are quote unquote sure things. Like Andrade, like Aleister Black, now Malachi Black. Like these are guys who, like, even again, if you're not going to push them as like your main event guy, like they are clearly like they could be upper mid card guys, like stars. Yeah. And they don't do jack shit with them. So if I was at a poll, yeah, maybe they give you like good money, but it's like, well, I can probably make good money going to AEW, and all my friends are there, and my girlfriend is there. Adam Cole yeah. could make good money just streaming on Twitch for a while. 
Well, he would be allowed to do that versus having to like share that money with WWE, which is yeah. I think the policy they have now. Mm-hmm. Plus, he would have to work like fewer dates with AEW, mm-hmm. and I think he could probably negotiate if it's not already part of the AEW contract. It's like, okay, I want to do other promotions too. Which, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure AEW probably has like the right of first refusal. So, mm-hmm. if, if you're he was like, him, yeah, go ahead. Uh, my understanding. Mm-hmm. And and we see this in like the best person to see this in is Moxley for crying out loud. Yeah. But it's my understanding is that if you sign with AEW, they're fine with you doing other dates as long as it does not interfere with your AEW shows. And um, a while back, uh, you know, my wife had, had had watched a little bit of it with me, and she said, you know, do. You, what do you think of it? I said, if I was still wrestling, this would be where I'd want to work. And she said, why is that? I said, number one, you don't have a road schedule that's killing you like WWE is. And then number two, they can pick up dates other places if they want to. So let's say that I'm in this fantasy world that, you know, I was showing up on, on an AEW show. I could be like, you know what? Uh, I don't have anything going this weekend. I want to pick up some extra cash. You know, I'm going to take an indie booking, and they're going to pay me this amount to come in and and screw around for a little bit and pop the crowd. And that's, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a lot of hard work or anything. It, it, it is it is very nearly a straight up independent contractor, actually independent contractor thing. Not uh, not that, quite. Yes, that's so much closer. That's actually a great way to look at it because you're kind of right. Like this, that's actually closer. Or mm-hmm. the closest thing you can see in the wrestling business now, like to being an independent contractor, because you you have your main dates obviously with AEW, but you kind of can largely set your own schedule. Yeah, um, or, I'm sure within reason, because it's not like if you sign an AEW contract, you're like, okay, I can I can I can do impact dates too. It's like there's a working relationship, but it's not like you can. Do yeah, that you need to get that one cleared. But. Yeah. And it's not like you can be like, I signed with AEW. I'm going to go work Japan for three months. It's like, now wait a minute. But it's, there's it's, uh-huh. there's so much more freedom to that kind of arrangement. Uh, I think Daniel Garcia might have signed with AEW. He's definitely uh, been doing a lot of TV. He's been getting. Recently. He's been getting. I wouldn't say he's been getting pushed, but he's been getting his face on TV a lot. And there, I mean, he's made Dynamite. Yeah. And he was, yeah. well, I guess he was involved in that angle on Rampage. Yeah, but that dude, um, let's assume he, let's assume he has some sort of contract with a, with uh, AEW. Uh, they just announced he's actually going to be working a match with Josh Alexander at the New Japan Strong Show, um, uh, sometime soon. I forget, I don't know the exact date, but he's doing a New Japan show. Uh, and there's another like indie show that that dude's doing where he's actually going to. Uh, work against Minoru Suzuki, so oh wow, it, yeah, that's uh, why that'd be like a dream. Like you can you can take all these like really cool indie bookings, yeah, and so long as they don't uh, compete with an AEW booking, then you know, I it, it seems like Tony Khan is cool with it. So that sort of like that sort of flexibility. Especially when he's probably still gonna get a good contract. Like I would think that, for me, if I'm Adam Cole, like I would. That's kind of what I would want. Uh, and there's a lot of th- again, 
his friends are there. I think I've said this before in the podcast. Like it quietly, if you look at a ton of maybe not so much since they turned heel, but the Bucks would always like post like a ton of like uh, pictures back in the day, like within the last like couple years. Yeah, they'd post pics of like just AEW guys hanging out or Elite guys hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'd be there doing something. You know, like Britt Baker would be on the side and quietly in the background. But then they wouldn't even, you know, mention it. But in the background, it'd be like Adam Cole, like drinking a beer or something like that. And it's like, I know that guy. I know who that guy is. Yeah, I, his I have friends to are there also... and his girlfriend. It's like you, you could go to a really cool place to work with, like really, you know, they would book him well. And you could work indie dates and all your friends are there. Your girlfriend's there. You pay good money. Like to me, it's a no brainer, but I don't know. I don't know what's in his head. Can, can we talk okay. about too, how excited I am for John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. That's going to be a fantastic match. And his, his, his wait, tweet, wait, wait. his tweet was hilarious. It was the, this is what he said. Once they announced it, he said, hello, wrestling fan. Thank you to everyone who came to me after seeing the AEW site. I'm Satoshi Kojima, who has been in this business for 30 years. I eat a lot of bread in my private life. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the the only thing I don't like about uh, – I mean, I guess there's a ton of people that get, don't know who he is. Like, I, I know someone who is a big AEW fan. He's a – He's like in his early 30s, maybe. He probably doesn't know who Kojima is. Uh, but I haven't like I I kind of didn't like the book ring. It's like, why are you telling me? I'm like, I don't know who Kojima is. I know who he is. But maybe people don't. I mean, and, and even newer people to the business though haven't been around like some of us have that remember when he was like the triple crown champion and carrying all Japan, or you know, mm-hmm. and he intends on like as a tag team was you know elite level and. I think he was the IWGP champion at one point. With the triple uh, crown, I think. Yeah, because I think they did that. Remember, they did that Tenzon versus Kojima title versus title thing. So I think he held both at the same time. Let me look that up. I think that's true. He was definitely like the All Japan triple crown champion. Uh, yep, triple. Oh, he's he's held the triple crown championship twice. He had it for a long time. For one he, of them. He's held the IWGP championship twice. I think okay. he also held the NOAA title. Let me look. Oh, no, actually, he hasn't. I think Ken's, Ken say Suzaki is the only one that's held all three. Oh, no, that's, that's wrong. Yeah, Mudo has two now. Mm. I, I, I feel like there's another me. person, but let me, let me look it up. Well... I feel Vader might have, but let me, well, I don't no, know. Vader, Vader never held the GHC. Oh wow, that's right. I think he held their like hardcore title or something when that was still a thing, but. Hmm. Let me look here. But um, the other the the. I'm I'm gonna while you guys are doing this I'm gonna go back to the original thing. Cole doesn't have to if he doesn't want to, or he could just kind of kick his heels up and rest for a while and wait. But the fact that there there doesn't for him to re-sign with WWE, it seems to me like, and I don't even know if there's a legal way to do this, but he would have to have like a no cut clause or something. To say, like, first of all, I get to keep my Twitch channel. 
uh, I keep all the money from that, and you can't fire or release me for a certain period of time. Um, I, I don't. I don't even know if that's feasible. But if you're going to do all that sort of stuff, especially with the the latest edict that Vince had about NXT, it's like uh, no more midgets, no more indie guys. You know, it's like um, that does not send great signal. And and uh, supposedly he had the meeting with Vince, and it's like, oh, well, I wasn't talking about you. And it's like, okay, what kind of signals is that sending? Not signals that give Adam Cole, like, you can't be giving him a lot of comfort. So, were I him, I'd, I'd definitely be... Maybe I'd take a little vacation for a while and let uh, let some of the stuff that's going on right now um, kind of simmer down a little bit so that I don't get lost in the shuffle. And then and then come in. Takiyama is the other guy that's held all three. So it's been Suzaki, Mudo, and Takiyama. Uh, Yuji Nagata has not. No, he hasn't held his, the triple crown. He hasn't held. He, he he's not held the triple crown. And the other person who hasn't, but should have, really, is uh, Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. He's never held. He's never held the IWGP Championship itself. There was a point where I think they could have put it on him a couple years ago for a bit, but they were they were giving Okada like that really long reign. Yeah, I won't lie to you. The dude's like fifty three. I think they could still put the title on him as yeah. like a transitional. Yeah, they've 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 kind of moved him down though over the years cuz he's more True. of like a undercard like mid, lower middle card guy now, which is sad, but they can do that though cuz the dude's like still so insanely over. Junakiyama could theoretically do it, but I think he's I think he's um he's winding it down too. Yeah, Akiyama is a little bit. He's not. He's older. He's in his, I think, early fifties now. Yeah. Think about a lot of uh, a lot of Japanese talent. Like even when they get of a certain age, like in their fifties, a lot of them can still go. So that's they're still because, kind of believable. That's because WWE just absolutely destroys people with their their schedule and the fact that they want people to flat back bump <clears> instead of. Working because really in Japan they work a lot of tags so that people see those big spectacular matches and thinking they're doing that, um, you know, five nights a week, but they're really not. Like most of the matches they wrestle is they come in, they do their their signature spots and mm. kind of work like an easy eight man tag like five nights a week and then they have their big match or two a month and then they have time to recover. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing is the time to recover, because um, you know the people that go out in WWE, they, it seems like people go out all the time. So they don't have any time to rest. I think I think the bumping style there though has an effect because I think because of their insistence they do it a singular way and you take that control out of it from people, it doesn't let them cheat the system as much yeah. and yeah. save their body. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Tommaso Ciampa kind of had to clarify because he got a little bit of heat in the last like day or two because he was basically saying like I wouldn't want to go up to the main roster, mm-hmm. and people are trying to take that to be like oh like because the because so bad like the booking so bad, uh, which is which it is. But he was 
basically saying like no that's not what i'm saying i'm, I'm i couldn't come up because it's like i my body would will not hold up to like 300 dates a year like it's yeah. like I, I went through major neck surgery like i can't like i just i need the lighter schedule that like nw yeah I, sorry nxt provides i honestly yeah. think he should be considering i think he should have on that last injury considered hanging it up because it's just he's at um, that point where his body just is is giving out on him yeah. Well, no, his body's never been good. Cause remember, remember when he was like just starting in ROH, he had that giant knee brace because he like tore his knee up early mm-hmm. on. Like he's always had issues. Yeah. It. It. it well, I mean, sometimes you get nagging issues that won't go away, and then they'll start stacking up. Well, I think I think you could honestly be. I think some people you could be good at it. It's like when you watch like a baseball pitcher, and you can just tell by their pitching motion that their arm's not going to last. Yeah. And I think some people just get into wrestling and their bodies aren't built for it. But like, because there's you you hear about it in baseball, we'll go with. But you'll see those guys that have these like super spastic like arm motions when they're pitchers. Like, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna tear all those muscles out. Yeah. For yeah. you know, within five years, then there's that guy with that supernatural smooth one, and oh yeah, they lasted for 15 years it's because. A, yeah, that's it's a different. Ah, oh, God, I can't I can't think of a, an example of someone who went out early, but you, then you compare that to like Nolan Ryan, who was so good for so long that. Yeah, you want to learn how to pitch? Watch Nolan. Watch tapes or, um, of Nolan. Is it, is it the it's the knuckleballers I think that last forever because I think like Tim Wakefield was like well no Jamie Moyer pitched till he's almost fifty and I think he was like pitching in the low eighties by the end. But that was just all about control, wasn't it? Well, if you're if you're certain styles can age well like a knuckleballer or like a flyballer like those ones that are more about you can make contact but they they manipulate the ball in such a way that you can't hit it right tend to last longer than those like power guys but yeah it 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 can definitely i mean hell i was probably one of the people that just wasn't built super well for wrestling or maybe the way i was selling uh, i should not have been i'm not sure but because there's got to be a reason like luchadores wrestle until they're 60 and like those Japanese guys, like obviously are have declined, but so many of those guys wrestle into their fifties with relative ease. I'm convinced that at least how it's been in the states has just been the uh, it's just been the the touring schedules and how hard that is to because it's not just doing matches every night; it's all the travel involved and not having a chance to like rest up and heal up. Because there's no off season for you for you to like just let your body rest and, and even you know because let's say you're not even hurt but you're still undergoing in comparison to you, to your average person you're still undergoing uh, a lot of uh, you know you're undergoing a lot of of impacts and and wear and tear. That's the other thing I like about AEW is if you don't want to take extra dates, you don't have to. You could have five days a week at home where you rest up so you're ready to go for the next one. You were mentioning Japanese schedule. I mean, that that would be a dream. Like, if I was, was going to go and wrestle four nights a week, 
but three of the four nights were just these multi-man tags where it's 20 minutes, but I'm really only doing stuff for maybe five. You know, that could be a lot of fun and it wouldn't, wouldn't be so hard on you, on you, but. So do we want to talk about, um, do we want to talk about, here we go to SummerSlam, SummerSlam of panic moves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, buddy. That's so so true. So we've talked about Bianca Belair on the show before. And I'd say, I would say no one here is a major Bianca Belair fan, but I think we all think she has potential and is probably a commodity you should protect. She's got potential. She's got kind of a unique thing going. She's got uh, freak athletic ability that you very rarely see in a wrestler, let alone a female wrestler. I, yeah. I will say this regardless. This just goes across like the WWE really. You – I don't want to even do like the average age of like their quote-unquote stars. Like I'm sure it's like 40. It's, yeah, it's getting up there. Like, you need to build stars. The stars you have are old, and they may or may not be there. Not even like, oh, they're going to go somewhere else. It's like, they may f- fucking retire. Or they might be one injury like, away from just being like, I can't do this. Exactly. Anymore. Yeah, so you need to build new stars. Mm-hmm. What you don't need is to make the people that you are trying to make new stars or could easily be, like, your next big star to look like a chump. Like, or, that's not what you should be doing at or like, all. Because, like, they, they went through WrestleMania to make Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, like... Well, that's the problem we've talked about. They, we talk, it, gets, it gets talked about a lot. Is WWE doesn't, like, actually book to tell a story anymore. They book for moments now. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of problems come through. So, like, they, they had the whole gave Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair their moments. And now they're both just kind of nobodies. And mm. like so, Bianca Belair. They well, part of the problem is is they knew Sasha Banks could not wrestle for a week, so they false advertised. Yeah. The match for a week, and so yeah. they have Becky Lynch come back, who obviously was not in wrestling shape, based on how they did this. Um, they squash Bianca Belair in 25 seconds. So, right there, she's never gonna be. She, you've just, you've just capped how over she can be at a certain level like she is never going to be able to get as over as she potentially could have because of this it, loss it bothers me so much because they're oh you would think if if you would think that booking becky lynch's return would be like a, a can't miss kind of thing it's like oh becky lynch is back we're gonna because you know becky moves the needle as as Meltzer likes to say like Becky gets attention people are on board people are going to be excited people are going to tune in to see it that sort of stuff <clears throat> you do this as a surprise announcement so it does not pop your SummerSlam buy rate at all uh, you found a way to do it that pisses people off and you're booking Becky to be a heel right out of the gate. For God's sakes, Triple H's return was as a face, like right out of the gate. And it, it didn't last real long till he was a heel again. But, you know, 
if, if and apparently Becky wanted to be a heel when she came back, fine, that's not a problem. But you come back, get the face pop, you know, get the rating, you know, get the ratings up with bringing one of your most popular roster members back, and then do the heel turn a little bit down the line where it means something, as opposed to just pissing people off immediately. It, yeah, you made Bianca Baylor look like a chump. Like if they want, if they want to bring her back, because like Sasha can't. Sasha can't work because well, I mean, has it ever been confirmed? I think I think the rumor, the obvious thing is that she has she's she had COVID. I think that's the. It's either she has COVID or she's pregnant. Well, I'm not presuming she's pregnant. I think that she is. I think she may be like she has COVID, but they knew they knew days before like she wasn't going to be there. If if you can't actually make good on your promise, Bianca Sasha match. They could have. They could have been like Sasha can't compete, like she has an injury or she's you know she can't compete. Uh, the Bianca wins by, you know, forfeit. Yeah. And then immediately you could have. You could have. You could have debuted Becky. She could have come back, but she could have just come out there and been like. She literally could cut, have have cut like a, a thirty second promo where it's like I'm back. And you have something I want. I want that title. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she spoke. She when she left, she was a face. So everyone thinks she's a face. I think turning her heel is a bad idea. But you could have her. You could have the whole like, you know, I respect you, like, but I want that title. Like, do a whole like, let's shake hands because we respect each other. And then, if you want to turn her heel, you can have her sucker punch Bianca, and then leave. Be like, aha, I sucker punched you. I'm gonna get that title. Like, yeah. You could easily done that, and you know she she got she got one over on Bianca because Bianca was trusting of her, but it still doesn't make her look a chump who can get beat by a move in 20 seconds. Oh, that was the other thing about that return that pissed me off. All of a sudden, Becky busts out a new move, and Michael Cole immediately knows what it's called, and <laughs> nobody else has any idea what the hell he's talking about. He's like, "Oh, that's the manhandle," and I'm like. First of all, oh god, is that what they called it? Yeah, that's Ew. what he called it on the show. It's a, just I, a urinagi like that. It's it's a rock bottom. It's, that's all it is. It's, it's just a rock bottom. You called it the manhandle. Holy! Oh my god! That's, <sighs> <laughs> that's exactly how I felt, Matt. That that sigh is exactly how I felt. I'm uh, I'm rubbing the bridge of my nose. I know I don't know what out there can see it, but. I'm rubbing the bridge of okay. my nose. Okay, so th- how- this post on Pro Wrestling Only really sums up the Becky situation to me. This is from Matt D on Pro Wrestling Only. There was a moment there where I thought WWE had actually followed up from yesterday. It was a moment where Becky saw someone with a man shirt on the way down and went nuts for it. And it was real and awesome and endearing and electric. And then they ruined it like they always do. Yeah. Because, okay... As you said, if they announced Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks would not happen, this is the WrestleMania main event rematch. By the way, is not going to happen because Sasha's whatever, hurt, sick, yada yada yada. Announce that a week ahead of time, and then Bianca's like, Bianca can just have a promo where she says, "I'm still going to be at SummerSlam. Let's see what happens." 
she doesn't even have to say anything, but there's going to be a buzz immediately of people like, I think they're going to bring Becky back for this. I bet they, I bet they would. I bet they would. Man, we got to see that. You know, getting people to buy the pay per view to see what happens. I feel like get, it. I feel like the Becky return didn't get any buzz because of how they handled it. Yeah, well, like I said, it was a surprise. Nobody knew it was coming. And then they did it terribly, so it's left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I don't want to... I liked Becky before she left. I understood why she left. It makes perfect sense. There we go. And then she comes back and they do this, and I'm like, never mind. It's almost, to me, it, it almost felt like... I had, I had a similar feeling to it as I had when they did the finger poke of doom in WCW. Mm, that's Oh, that's an interesting comparison I hadn't thought about, but not, not because I mean, not necessarily that I was invested in Nash's champion, but it's just that like that stink face that you slowly start making as your nose scrunches up just because someone else pointed this out too is like, Oh, look, we're back to Charlotte and Becky as the champions. Yeah. Oh, we also missed something from the in power, but we'll go back to that in a minute. And then Uh, and then I I actually called this on the program and you guys were horrified. I don't think believe me, but we are going back to the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns. Yes. (sighs) Yes. Guess what? I don't care still. I told well, you. See, I told you they 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 somehow think that this is like just the match that is going to make them so much money and no one has wanted this for like forever. Well, see, no, guys, guys, it's totally different and fresh now because Roman's the heel and Brock's the baby face. Brock has a new hat. Yeah, he's got a new haircut. It's got a it's got a little uh ponytail thing going on and this was a it's fresh and new if the the reports i read are to be believed and they may not be but if the reports i read are are to be believed brock roman was supposed to main event wrestlemania 2023 okay hang on a second roman was gonna hold the title for another two years they, they couldn't possibly have enough interesting competition for him. I mean, he's already out of people. He's yeah, already, and and well, nobody yeah, that he's had too. a program with has come out of it better. Well, it's because they squashed them like a bug, and like even the Cena thing, like we were, they were pretending like they didn't already have a match, and Cena lost to him already. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't. I just. I don't care. I Brock and Roman again. We had that for like two years of it dragging out, and I, I uh, my ability to care about that match has been long, I, long extended. And I, I honestly don't care about anything they do with Roman at this point because it's just like I don't care. Like he's gonna win, and it's boring. Look, turning him heel should have happened from the beginning. He's got right. the Nick Aldis problem right now. He's, he's that's true. Turning him heel should have happened from the beginning. He's been doing good stuff with it, but the fact that you have stomped every potential challenger into the dirt to the point where they felt like, oh, we got to bring back Brock to be the, the challenger for it. It's like, no. 
because there's there people were talking about it's like oh no it'll be Roman Rock and it's like they're not gonna put Rock over Roman. They can't that's afford not Rock happen. at this point. Yeah. Well, I think that's your like 2023. Like I just looked it up. WrestleMania 2023 is supposed to be in Hollywood. Like I absolutely see them doing if they can. Rock uh, Roman in 2023 at WrestleMania 39. But Rock's gonna be 50 then. Oh well, he's just in, he's he's just the right age to get like a big push from <laughs> WWE. Yeah. Remember when they used uh, to make fun of WCW for their main event being too old, and they were just guys like that were like between the ages of like 38 and 45 at the time, yeah. and they would be spring chickens in WWE currently. Wasn't it that uh, whenever they made those those uh, Nacho Man and old hogan like promos or something like macho man was like 35 or something at the time well vince has a strong belief that people over a certain age should not be on tv and um and i'm gonna say in fairness to him i think he's wrong but he actually tried to keep himself off of tv once he hit that age and they kept begging him to like keep making appearances because he would pop ratings so he's not a hypocrite, at least. He's wrong, but at least he, you know, is consistent. he's consistent. Yeah. And yes, I like, I appreciate the consistency. Let but... me, uh, I just looked it up. Yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan, when the NWO angle began, so Bash at the Beach, 1996. Yeah. Was 42 a month shy of turning 43. Okay. Okay. And then yeah. he had several more years. That was, I mean, at that point too, like he obviously his he had a second uh, resurgence of his career. Right. But before then, even Vince was running the whole like you know, huckster, acting yeah. like acting like Hogan was like sixty five years old. Yeah. Um, Savage, I'd have to look it up, but I think Savage is probably like comparable in age. Uh, let me look really quickly. Savage was born in fifty two, so. Okay. Uh, at least by the NWO, he was like 43, almost 44. Okay. Okay. Uh, so 42, 43, that's like the age of like, you know, Hogan Savage, right when the NWO was starting. Okay. Uh, right now, current WWE champion Bobby Lashley, 45. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their current champion is older than those guys were. And they made promos when they were for being having us. Stuff. Yes. And I just look it up. People like Randy Orton's like 41. Uh, I had to look up other people like Miz is 40. Mm-hmm. I can go down the list. Sure. Yeah. God, I really wish they would have taken Miz off TV when he tore his ACL. I, I thought they would, but you know, I was sadly mistaken. Yeah. So I want to. Um, sorry to cut you off, Chad. I would say Miz in particular is such a crutch to them because they. They just, Vince just basically decides, oh, I can just count on, uh, that's an easy 30 minutes of, of airtime I can just write off just, every week. So. Yep, and get yeah. no ratings because everyone, you can just hear the collective, like, <clears throat> toilet flushes when everyone's like, well, I can go to the bathroom now. Yeah. It, yeah I, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, half stand up for Miz here. Like, for a while, he was, he was doing really good heel stuff, but the problem is, they have had him doing the exact same heel shtick for so long. He ruined Daniel Bryan's not, return. There's not anything new 
they can do with it. I, I'm not sure that was even him. I think it was how it was booked. That they, no, they I'm just saying like I'm just saying like everyone's like, ooh, Daniel Bryan's back. Oh, they're feuding him with the Miz. Like that's that's I think the collective reaction everyone had. I don't I don't think so. I think if Bryan had won. Because they had that whole like promo battle from talking smack and stuff. Brian had won. Cool. Awesome. That's great. You know, that's that's Brian's like I'm getting my legs back, he wins it. But then Miz won. And everyone's like Never mind. But Miz has been doing basically the same thing for so long that we've seen it all before. I just Gee, not, I wonder where we've talked about that with this same company. Here. I've never liked Miz and he's never won me over. Like I've never liked him. I think he pretty much sucks in the ring. Um his character is dull. He's on TV too much. Like if he was if he had a third of the TV time he had I would maybe be more okay with him. <clears throat> So before we get into why they did these panic returns, uh, there is something that we missed from uh, it was from on the NWA Empower. Um, awesome Kong officially announced her retirement uh, with Gail Kim. And you know what? Thank you, Kong. You were you were awesome to watch while you were here in the States. Um Hate to see you go, but she hasn't been able to do much for a while now. So, but she she was in and secretly the best part of the Glow TV show. She actually showed that she could be a very very good uh, actor in that show. I'm sad that show ended. Yeah, that was a good show. I, I should watch it sometime. <laughs> she was legitimately one of the best heels of the of the 2000s. Um, she was a really great surprise at the first AEW pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, her face-off with, uh, with, um, with amazing, with Aja Kong at, um, at one of their, like, side shows early on was a lot of fun. They just never did anything with it. Um, I wish, I, I wish they had, because I wanted to see it. But she was, I, she was a special talent, carried mm-hmm. impact for a while. Yeah. Um, in the TNA days, really underappreciated in WWE. I know she had some issues there, but I don't think they ever used her particularly well. And her name was stupid in WWE. Karma. Karma. Yeah. What What is that supposed? To, what are we supposed to do with that? But um, I, I'm pretty sure Awesome Kong was one of the biggest rating draws for Impact in that time period you referenced. They were, because um, when Dutch Mantel was booking them, they consistently got the best ratings every week the women's division did. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a, a precursor to a lot of the great women's wrestling today. Yeah, because... Like that, that, they don't give enough credit. No, they don't. Shimmer, like, WWE gets a lot of backpats for what Shimmer and Impact mm-hmm. did a decade mm-hmm. ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shimmer especially does not get enough credit that they deserve for helping to usher in better quality women's wrestling in the United States. Mm-hmm. I have seen almost no Shimmer, but I know that that's been their thing. Uh, Dave uh, Prezak's not been good about getting that stuff easily accessible. But yeah. it's I, I, I knew it was out there. Um, I knew who was on the shows. I knew 
I, I kind of had an idea what they were doing. So it's when WWE's like, oh, we're having the women's revolution. We're doing this. And it's just like, whatever. No, yeah. there was there was a time before they got behind on how distribution worked. There was a time where Shimmer was in that pantheon of like independent promotions. You had an idea of what was going on in. So it would be like IWA Mid-South, Ring of Honor, Shimmer, Chikara. Mm-hmm. And um, those would be kind of like your big... Well, Pro Wrestling Gorilla too has always kind of been up there. But they were up there for a while. But then, you know, if you if you look on their site, they, they're still trying to do the DVD thing. And they're like two or three years behind on shows. And, you know, you can't cultivate a fan base if you can't get people their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Their most recent shows... Now, I understand, like, the pandemic has kind of thrown things off. But their most recent shows is Shimmer 86, Shimmer 87... Uh, people on those shows include Candice LeRae, uh, Shotzi Blackheart, uh, yeah. Shayna Baszler. It's like uh, these people have been signed to the WWE for like years now. Years. Like there yeah. was a Mania weekend where I, they had Shimmer 100 on like one of those, I think on Fight. And I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, hey, I want to get some DVDs and watch this. And it was 20-something shows behind. They were two and a half years behind, and it's only been worse on DVDs. And I'm just like, well, what's the point? Like, they they haven't even gotten to the shows where, like, Shayna Baszler had even started in the company yet, and she was the <laughs> NXT Women's Champion. I'm like, this is just absurd, guys. You need to get your shit out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's way too long of a layover. <sighs> okay, so... Uh, need to give. I, I wanted us to go back and give respect there because I didn't. Uh, we we kind of missed that. But why did WWE freak out and pull Becky and Brock back immediately on the same show with no tease, no announcement, no build? So can we talk about how people in wrestling and around the wrestling sphere really are just dolts? <laughs> because. Because, like, there are people that were surprised that they did not have CM Punk get jumped by MJF or do, like, some weird screwy thing with it. And it's like, no, that is why wrestling doesn't draw anymore, because you idiots can't you keep just... keep ruining things. Yeah, because, like, because even Cornette, like, fessed up to it. Cornette's like, well, that's not what I would have done. Like, they actually did it better. They did it perfectly. Yeah. So, like, Rampage just starts off in Chicago, and they just do it. They had to do it first. They had to. Because yeah. otherwise the entire night, the entire building would have been chanting CM Punk. And it would have that would have just been soul crushing and, for anybody that had a match. And supposedly they were gonna have Shivani introduce him and then it was a last second call to go, No, 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 just we're just gonna hit the music and let him go which was the right thing to do. And that crowd it just was. went ape shit. For like Ten minutes of continuous AP, and they cr- it crashed pro wrestling tees <laughs> for days. They had to pro wrestling tees specifically had to they were they were shut down basically all weekend. They had to move to a different server. Like, and the beauty of that, of course, is that like the day before all that happened, um, you had Roman Reigns give it was. I mean, it's no one. It, that's not just coming from like his own mouth. It's like obviously no, but he sounded like a dope this. saying that. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, you know, CM Punk wasn't never, was never really a star, and it's like, whatever. You're not a star at 
he's not a star. Like he literally broke the internet because he returned. Even even before that, mm-hmm. he held the heavyweight championship for almost what what wasn't it like more than a year? It was a year and a half. About I, he held it solid for a year and a half. It, look. I've said it before. I'm not even a punk fan, but I recognize what a big deal this is. And to say he wasn't a star is revisionist history to be kind about it. I, I think we've argued. Well, I know for me personally, when they ruined the summer of punk is the last time I ever gave them a shot to get something right ever again. Mm-hmm. And I would argue, I would argue their severe ratings decline. Well, it really started with Seth Rollins as champion, but I think that's where they started losing their audience was that just driving people away because Papa trips had to, you know, couldn't let something go on mm. without latching onto some of that heat. Yeah. And so, you know, they, and the other thing that I love, honest to God, loved about punk's return is in the whole buildup to it. AEW was like winking and not wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more for like a month. The like for an entire month, they were just like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do something in Chicago. And then Darby Allen's like, I want to face the best in the world in Chicago. And you you almost heard him lean in real close to the mic and go, get it. You know, He didn't really say that. Yeah. It was it was this. Everybody was just kind of like they had the, the shit eating grin on their face and the twinkle in their eye, but they would never say anything specific. But there was no way it wasn't happening. And what happens is is they popped a huge rating for it. They, you know, they the, had a huge crowd for it, too, that they did yeah. not send home upset. Yeah, they had. And then, like you said, the. And it's not like Pro Wrestling Tees was... I'm sure they took measures before it happened. I'm sure it was not a, well, you know, Punk's going to come back, but, you know, I'm sure we'll be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain they're like, hey, we need to, like, buy up some extra traffic or something. And they still underestimated how big the... Like, they knew what they were doing, and they teased it and teased it, because TNT told them outright, they're like, look, after the the um, the Christian Cage thing, I think, mm-hmm. I think they were like, look, guys, don't don't do that anymore. If you're going to debut someone new, talk about it so people will tune in for it. And so they did. And it worked. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like talking them into the building in the territory days. It's like, you know, you hear Dusty cut a promo about whooping Ole Anderson, and you go, oh, God, I got to go see this. It's not like you get there that night, and it's like, surprise, it's Dusty Rhodes versus Ole Anderson. And it's like, well, then if you would have told me, I would have brought friends. It's like, no, they teased it. Someone mentioned, someone actually mentioned that uh, in some of the wrestling circles that I'm part of about AEW just generally, and I do, I didn't, I guess I never really thought about this, but it's accurate and a, a real contrast to the WWE. WWE to the extent that they'll even promote jack shit, they may say like, "Oh, we're gonna have this match like next week." They may say that, yeah. and then of course you you happen next week, and then it's like that and that the one match they talked about doesn't happen. Alvarez has talked about that, and he did stats, and he said like, 
I think Raw teases like something like 60% of what they advertise does not happen. Yes, doesn't happen. But uh, someone mentioned that AEW is really good about almost laying out the entire card for the next Dynamite. Like, mm-hmm. they'll by the end of the current episode of Dynamite, they'll be like, all these matches are happening next week. Well, remember, remember back in the day. It's mostly accurate. Remember oh, yeah. though, back in the day, before we got to this WWE haphazard thing, which is something Shad has talked about. Like, I think we ta- we I think Shad mentioned this about a year ago. We were talking about what would it take to get us to watch WWE programming, and he's like, "Do you guys ever feel like, you know, they didn't have anything booked for the main event?" And they're like, "Oh, thank God, this like opening 30 minute promo happened because yeah. now we have a main event." But if you go back, like, if you if you were watching like back in the day, like wcw and you were catching the weekend shows a lot of times they would advertise like nitro and you would have a good idea of what you're going to see on nitro at the very least they would say you're going to see these people in action on nitro yeah and so and you don't like wwe like half the time if i tune into like raw or smackdown i don't know who's going to wrestle but like it used to be with like wcw or even wwe back in the day without the internet mind you, or without as big an online presence, I would usually have an idea of what I was going to see. It happened even this last, um, even this last Raw, I think is, because uh, I, I, I heard Alvarez, or I heard, yeah, I heard Alvarez talk about it, that it ended up like a tag match, AJ and Omos versus somebody, and I don't even remember who, he said, we got 30 minutes left in the show. They don't have a main event announced. If AJ and Almost hadn't taken exception to what somebody said, what were they going to do? They didn't have a main event. It just kind of so happened that AJ and Almost showed up and like, oh, yeah? And they were like, yeah. And it's like, we'll prove it. It's like, all right, let's have our main event. And it's like, now let's have our main event? But, you know... If I, if I watch WCW Saturday night and they're like, oh, this Monday on Nitro, uh, D- Diamond Dallas Page and Rey Mysterio will be in action. I'll be like, God damn, I'm watching Nitro because I want to see DDP and Ray have matches. Don't even care who they're against. I want to see them. Well, even when even when Saturday night was the B show, if you like tuned into main event on Saturday morning, they would advertise what was going to be on Saturday night that night or at least tell you who was going to be there. Do you know how hard that is? It's not. You record a voiceover. You're like, hey, have we got the card for Saturday night? Yep. Okay. Let me write a quick voiceover. All right. And and you just you just talk into a microphone and, and add it to whatever the, the show is going to be. Well, I hate that. Like, if you go to a, like, even a WWE house show, they don't even tell you who's going to be on the card most of the time. Or, you know, if you're in Charlotte, they advertise Charlotte Flair is going to be there and then don't update and you. And she never was going to be there? No. Like, never. Now, and I I think people are wrong for hating on her about that. That's not really her problem, so leave her alone. Yeah, she didn't do that. Yeah. She had requested that off ahead of time. And it's just, it's ridiculous, like... I I don't take opinions that I read on the Squared Circle subreddit very seriously, because they are some of... The dumbest the most people, ever. reactionary, knee-jerk people. That there are setting aside. Look, I know I've. Uh, it was a few weeks ago. I said outright, like I'm, I'm 
I'm pretty well done with WWE in general. It's not because it's like, oh, I hate them. It's just it's like they have a pattern of disappointing and annoying me, and I just don't want to see it anymore. I, I gave up a long person, time ago. Like what you said there, like because something would happen and kind of interest you, and then, but then they'd ruin it, and so something's like like for me, like the RK Bro stuff, kind of interesting. Yeah. I kind of want to tune in for that, but I'm like, they are going to screw that up in some way. Like, I, I just can't trust them to bother well, with what it. I was What I was going to say is that um, it's it seemed, one person there made this, this observation, and I thought, you know what? This is more astute than I was going to give it credit for. It feels like you're watching a company that actively dislikes its own audience. They, they give so little of a damn about their own audience or despise their own audience so much that they're just like, when you're like, you know, what are you guys going to do? And it's like, eh, whatever you're going to watch it anyway, loser. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, who cares, who cares what it's going to be? Cause you're going to tune in anyway. That's why, um, um, when Seth Rollins is like, he liked the Thunderdome. I'm like, of course you like the Thunderdome, Seth Rollins. Of course you yeah. do. Well, that's just because Seth Rollins will will play the company mouthpiece. Well, and he he doesn't like vary his matches up at all. Like I think people were talking about his match with Edge, and it's like this there you know it's the usual crap with a Seth Rollins match. Like wow, they sure don't <laughs> act like they hate each other. It was it was just a Seth Rollins match. Yeah. Um, but you know it it just seems like that it is a company that does not doesn't care about the people that watch their product. No, if they if they if they it's, had had the CM Punk thing, they would what they would have done in Chicago is they would have faked them out with a little person CM Punk or trolled them in some way and not given them CM Punk and then debuted him the next week. Just to prove yeah. a point. Well, the the long-standing tradition that they have of if you're in your hometown we are we are going to you know they're going to lose at the very least yep or and... we're going to embarrass you it's like well then all you're doing is poisoning the well because that means that people that wanted to come see the hometown guy do cool stuff just aren't going to show up anymore now and you've, because you've they seen don't... how many how many shows have we seen where that's totally deflated a crowd and they've never like recovered oh that's happened a lot. And, but they're going to do it anyway. Cause, oh, it's easy heat. And it's like, okay, yeah, but no. How about, how about we not? I think a great example, and Matt was there live for this, I believe when they did the Daniel Bryan return match and they took him out like two seconds into it. And then like, didn't have him come back till the very end. And you could just feel the crowd being like, are they serious with this? crowd was kind of anxiously awaiting Brian to get back into the match, and he was the most over person at that particular show. Where people were, like, on fire for him returning, and then, yeah, they did that, where it's like an extended heat segment, where he's just laying outside. Yeah, because that's what, that's what people are here for. We are here like if if you're like oh this is going to be the return of this person okay i'm here to see the return of this person this is what i'm here for 
All right. Why am I not seeing the thing that the match was sold on? Like, if the if the whole point was we're selling the match based off of this, and then you make it a point not to give it to me, then I'm gonna check out. Like, everybody checked out of the match that you you mentioned because they're all just waiting for Brian to come back in because they know nothing's going to happen until he does, which means that your heat is pointless. Everything you're doing in that match is pointless unless Brian is involved. And so what do you do? You Ricky Morton, Daniel Bryan in that case. You, you waltz him across Texas, as Dusty would say. And then he makes the hot tag. The other guy comes in. He brings Brian back in, and Daniel Bryan is the one that gets the one. Like, you take the guy that's drawing attention and do stuff with him so people keep paying attention. But no, we don't. Or you give him, like, a flurry of offense early. Like, the remember Hogan Rock from Mania and how just the first time Hogan got any offense in, the crowd was just locked in, ready to go? Yeah. But, I mean, this, this we bring this back around. They built up for Punk's return, and then they delivered on it. They gave people what they wanted. Now, look, people, they, they've been really good about that. Because even if no one expects expected Jungle Boy to take the title off Kenny Omega, for example. And I really like Jungle Boy. Um but what did they do? They gave him a good match, and it was good enough that you could believe that maybe, just maybe, he could pull it off. <laughs> Great. And then they're like, oh, we're going to bring Punk back. And you go, oh, they're going to bring Punk. And what do they do? They just gave that to you. So you're happy at the beginning, and then you're happy for the rest of the show because you got exactly what you wanted at the beginning. Yeah. Now, I would say, though, if I was AEW, I would make people pay to see him wrestle the first couple times. Well, that's what they're doing. Because, see, what I would do, my, my fantasy booking of the Darby Allen CM Punk thing is you kind of start having them smack talk, and then you have you have Sting step up and he, him be like, you know, like, you know, I don't I don't want, like, you know, I think you need to prove that you still have it um to wrestle Darby Allen then you have to have CM Punk go through Sting for your like first big pay-per-view match probably at the mm-hmm. November one so that you do CM Punk and Sting so that CM Punk can wrestle Darby in this case Darby's the one that called him out so I wouldn't do it that way but I I can see where you're coming from because uh, if you want to do, I mean, if you want to do like a supposed, pro, not really a dream match, but a weird, freaky one, Sting has to come before Darby because Sting is, would have to be like the stepping stone match. Uh, I see where you're coming from, but I don't know that I would want to use that particular bullet. Um, yeah. But I would make I would make you pay to see him wrestle the first yeah. couple times you've got to you've got to because you don't want to wear the shiny off of it too early well and i mean you're going to make money if you do that too well yeah 
and okay, let him... there's multiple reasons to do it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but I mean, like, I think you'd pop a buy rate the first couple times with him, and then yeah. you can slowly kind of edge him back into TV, I think, as he starts kind of getting his... the mm-hmm. rust off. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Now, the other thing... And I think this will be the last thing we'll get into. But the other thing that goes into this, and this is the last because we've been doing it in in reverse chronological order, is this is something that's in the future. Is that they are they have already teased and reports are that this uh, debut has been moved up to all out. But supposedly. The American Dragon Brian Danielson uh, is gonna show up at uh, All Out. Now I wish I wish they'd tease it a little bit more because I mean this is just personal preference, but I like I like him more than I like Punk. But then again, he also didn't have a seven year layoff for it. Well, we kind of talked about that when we we discussed the possibility of this happening, though that. In the grand scheme of things, Punk's probably a bigger star. Yeah, it's that, a bigger. His return is a bigger deal. Yeah, that we might that we might individually prefer Danielson, like as a talent to have him, but in the greater pop scale of who's going to probably net you money out of interest, like right off the bat, is probably Punk. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, but it's I'm I'm excited for that. One of the things that I'm excited reasons I'm I'm excited in general because AEW at the beginning they did not feel like oh we're just grabbing everybody who's out there and throwing them on our show like they have done some work to build not really homegrown but they have done some work to build younger guys up. You know, MJF for example they've done a lot of work to build him up. And then, so I, I am fully confident that no matter who it is they sign to bring in, they are not, you're not going to lose other people in the shuffle. We, we do have the entire Straight Edge Society in AEW now. We do. Um, I would say good luck prying Luke Gallows out of, out of the elite stuff, but uh, I think Luke, um, you're right, they are there. I think though with the Punk and Danielson signings, well, one you have to if they're willing to sign, you have to do it. But I feel like in a perfect world, if the elite guys had started this up, that Punk and Danielson would have been in that sphere like Cole was if they were still on the Indies when that all started. Yeah, yeah, and um, I believe it's uh, Tony Khan. I think said that he absolutely wanted. Um, he absolutely wanted uh, Punk in the beginning, but he couldn't get him yet. And then after Punk saw how they'd been running the business, that's what got him on board. Yeah, because I think I think if you're Punk, um, I don't particularly like Punk, but I think I think you did. I think I think he probably played it smart in that he wasn't going to come back just for any fly-by-night promotion. And I'm mm-hmm. imagining if he waited and they were a little more financially stable, he probably got a little more money out of it. Mm-hmm. Got more money out of it, but he also saw that they're not going anywhere and that they, they handle things well. And that he's probably 
had enough to see that they treat their people well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's the other big reason why were I working, that's where I'd work is because I have seen evidence of them treating their people well, as opposed to being like, oh, you know, you got an injury? Well, too bad. You got a house show tomorrow night. From his perspective, I guess it paid. Hey, Matt, you're really low volume. Can you hear me now? Your, your volume's dropped off pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. Now. No, you're still low. No, sir. Uh, let's try. If That's getting you're better. better. Yeah, you're better. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess from his perspective, it didn't make sense to, you know, to want to sign up with AEW day one. Uh, better to wait and see how they would work out. I mean, they've obviously worked out pretty well. Um, and t- Tony Khan, like, is... He's certainly a millionaire. His family has money, so it's like the idea that that they could continue for a while is probably like there. But they've obviously been financially successful. Uh, so, but it did. You're right. Like it probably he probably did himself a favor by waiting a couple of years to see to see them grow and succeed and be more financially secure. Um, uh, but there is something I don't know if you guys caught this uh it's something that he that punk actually said in the last like week or so one of the reasons that actually was apparently a deciding factor for why he actually did finally sign with them or at least was open to it he was apparently really really blown away with how they treated the whole Brody lee situation oh yeah that was so classy on their yeah he was like i he basically uh paraphrasing him said like i was like completely shocked with how they handled that, uh, like how, you know, the boys basically knew what was going on and no one said anything. They were respectful to the family. They kept everything classy and that, uh, that meant a lot to punk. And I, again, I'm, I'm with you, Shad, like I'm not the biggest fan of punk, but if you, if you know anything about punk, if you studied kind of how he is as a person, like something like that is something that would actually matter to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of like say how how well how how deep is Punk's morals because this is a guy who like you know kind of was like screwing around with uh, Cole Cabana yeah. <clears throat> even though Cabana was sued only because Punk said the shit that he did on his podcast but yeah hey, all the same that is kind of something that that would matter a lot to Punk and I mean I think objectively we can all say that. How how AEW did treat the Brody situation was completely respectful, and you're probably not going to find a better tribute show than the one they threw for him. Uh, you know, so good. Yeah, and it, I, the thing that I said back then, and I, I think is still true, it's it's not even like they were obviously they were trying to be respectful, but to me it just seemed like Tony Khan in his heart he's obviously like, he's like a lifelong wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that dude would, I think he's probably a, a good person or tries to be. And I think he was put in a really unenviable situation where, uh, an employee of his died in a very tragic, horrific way. And he had the opportunity to try and do something nice for the family. 
because mm-hmm. it's I mean it's all you can do because it's not as if you can bring you know Purdy back, but he tried to just as a human being just tried to do the best he could, and that's why I think he actually like succeeded tremendously because he was just being a good human being. Yeah. Um, so I I think that was really interesting that that Punk shared that, and I think it, you know it, it makes perfect sense to me. It, someone not only who was a big deal on your roster, but was just so beloved by like everybody in the business. Because mm. it's it, I I never came and it, it would be career suicide for someone to do, but it, it didn't seem like anybody ever had a bad word to say about Brody. Um, and listen, I remember listening to his appearance on Jericho's podcast. It's like. He didn't run anybody down. Um, his issues with in working in WWE was just it's like that's the way they do things there, and if you work there, you just got to accept that's how it is. His um his Kevin Nash story I heard on a different podcast was endearing and hilarious. I'd need to look that up. So he they were they, they worked in some like some fair or something years ago before you know WWE and all that stuff. And he says, yeah. like, he knew someone, like, this guy that knew Nash took him in. And he's like, hey, this is Brody Lee, the guy you're going to be working with. And he's like, Nash just, like, kicked a chair out. He's like, sit the fuck down. Beer's in the corner. And he <laughs> said they just they just stayed up all night, like, drinking and talking and hanging out and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, he kicked the chair. He's like, sit the fuck down. Beer's in the corner. It just, I think, I mean, especially for, like, the Nash thing, I think it's a very human, humanizing story. Yeah. For him. That seems to be a very, Kevin Nash seems to bond over beer. Um, it, did you hear the his his story from uh, working on Punish, the Punisher movie? No. All right. So, you know that, that scene when the Russian attacks um, Frank Castle, he takes the butterfly knife and he goes for the stab, right? Well, there was there on all those sets. There's a gimmick knife where the uh, the blade will retract into the handle when you <laughs> go for it. And the prop master didn't switch the knives out between set between shots. So when Tom Jane does the thing and he goes in for the stab, it doesn't retract. And the the thing like Nash pulls it out and they go on with it. Like after he did that and then Nash pulled it out, they called immediately and they're like oh god we got to get this fixed and that's and then you know they go and they they get him checked out and stitched up and stuff and then like the executive producer sat down with with nash afterward like what do we need to do to make this right because they're like he's gonna sue the shit out of us and he's like i i know that if i make a big deal out of this that i'm never gonna work in hollywood again because you know I made a big deal. He said, I tell you what, let's do. I can't remember what all of the um, all of the terms of the deal were, but it, it wasn't a big deal. And the last one is. And at the end of shooting every day, we have a uh, a big cooler full of ice and beer for for the folks on set. And they were just like, done. No, no problem. Like they were so happy for it. And then they got done with shooting and Tom Jane came in and he dropped in the, uh, the makeup chair and Nash is like, hey, you want something? He just hands him one out of there, and Jane pops it open, leans back in the chair, and goes, why were we not doing this all along? <laughs> so that that seems to be Nash's bonding is is over beer. So 
it was it was a busy couple of weeks. Do we miss anything, or is that were those the main stories? Those were the ones that came to mind when I was I was making the the itinerary out. Um, that's what came to mind for me. I I can't think of anything else. Um, now I think is all out is this weekend, correct? Yes. I might it's order this, it. It's I think it's this Sunday because it's a three day weekend. Yeah, that's what I saw. I might order so, it. Um, I believe I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna find a way to watch it one way or another because I mean frankly this company's doing too much stuff that I like for me not to. (laughs) It's even interesting because Jim Cornette I was listening to Jim Cornette and Brian last talk about it and they were talking about you know it really feels like AEW's building momentum Mm -hmm. is a company. I I really think they are because there's just uh, they just keep doing so much stuff. It seems like right, like they they keep doing things that uh, that engage their their viewing audience. I think they've been largely helped too by crowds being back. It makes their shows a lot better. Well, yeah. Well, I think I both agree. shows have been helped by that. Um, WWE, I think, is starting to poison the well with their fans already, but. I think that's helped WWE too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because live wrestling just just ain't the same without the crowd there. Yeah, definitely. But I think oh. I think that is it for this week. We are going to be back next week. I know we've been saying the GWF TV title tournament, but things keep happening. So. <laughs> so everybody out there, uh, we'd love to hear from you on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and you got requests, let us know, uh, we will get to them. Or if you think we're off base on anything about the recent happenings, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And so this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth and we will see you next time.